Well, we are excited that you are here, but we have a special guest uh, with us today. This doesn't normally happen, but we actually have um, our global partners with us. We have one of them, as in a couple, we have them here with us. I'm going to ask them to make their way uh, to the platform this morning um, for security reasons. Um, we uh, they need to kind of disguise themselves a little bit because of the people group uh, they serve one of the least reached people group, but the country that they're in, uh, and, and in the in the country that they're in, and so we can't talk about any kind of specifics, but we are online. So for that reason, you just never know, and we don't want to hinder the work of God and what God is doing here in this country. But what I've asked them. Uh, to come and share with us uh, this morning is can you just share with us how you see God at work in your part of the world? Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, Pastor Rick. We truly appreciate you all for being our Aaron and her, supporting us while we're serving. Just one trivia is that during the university years, my university years, I came to CCF. I was baptized here. Well, one story I want to share about how God is working, and sometimes it takes a while. Um, the story begins a few years ago when we met a uh, student. Was, we call him Baker Student. He was studying in our city at a religious school, but he was not from our province. He was from another province about five or six hours' drive north of us. And uh, that's where we start our story. We really liked Baker. He really is a great cook. And uh, makes yummy cookies and brownies. And so, since we really liked him, we were like, we're praying, Lord, how are we going to get to know him better in that school setting? We're very strict. So we're praying and praying, and then this idea came to us, we've never gone to his city. So why don't we go to his city, and just during his uh, break time, and say, hey, we're coming to your city, and we're going to spend a little time touring. Can we bring you back? to your home, uh, to your school after that. He was like, oh, okay, maybe. So his family met us, they approved, and um, off he went with us. He traveled the whole way back to our city with us. And during that time, we had hours in the car, he just shared, he shared his heart about how he felt living away from home so far from all his relatives. Yeah, and so God has given us favor. As we got to know uh, Baker student and then his mother and his father and his brother and his sister and matter of fact he has 140 relatives in that town so uh, we got favored to go into that community and when I met Baker's father uh, during our second trip up there I went out to, to shake his hand which is normally what they do there and he reached over and he kissed me on both cheeks. And I was a little surprised because that was only the second time uh, that I'd uh, met him. So, yeah, that, so that was uh, quite a little uh, pleasant surprise to us and to me. <laughs> so anyway, this year we went up during uh, the last part of Ramadan and we spent some number of days. And Ramadan, as you may know, is the fasting month for Muslims. So even though the people are fasting daily, you might also know that the women spend a lot of time preparing food. And Mrs. B- Mr. Uh, Student Baker's mom is Mrs. Industrious. She's an incredible cook. And so every day she would sell food in the halal open market in front of their prayer hall. 
So we would go every day and we would buy foods from different people, but especially from her. And then when it was time to break the fast, everyone sits together in the courtyard and do a little potluck, you know, with your family or your friends. So that's what we're doing. The schedule was that after the um, <clears throat> siren or the bell or whatever it was rang, that we could eat, so we start eight, then we would rush off to prayer. Well, that's what they would do. And then after that, they would uh, go to uh, rush off again to a tasty dinner in the dining area. I mean, a big meal. And then rush to evening prayer, and then a special extra prayer for an hour during Ramadan. Then after that, rush home to sleep, and then rush to arise before sunrise to eat and drink, then pray again. So that was the schedule. And we, the whole time that they're doing all this, of course, we're praying for them, that they would have an encounter with the living God while they're in their prayer hall. And, of course, we're just spending as much time with them as we can. And so that was very bonding, to experience part of Ramadan with them. And then particularly, they had a first grandchild that was born during that time. So it was a very emotional time to be with them. So really, a, a lot of our time is, was being present with people, just sitting, going to the hospital, seeing the baby that had to be there for seven extra days, um, sitting with them in the places that they go. Um, that's what Jesus did. He just went where people were. So finally, we've been praying for more laborers to go into the harvest field. And praise God, God has answered our prayers. Uh, we have a new team member. She's a retired English teacher, so there is life after retirement. All right. And she has all, all many years of field experience, as well as languages. She's multilingual, and so, well, she's all set. And uh, so when we go back uh, later on this, uh, uh, in September, we will return to Bordertown, uh, where she is now, where we put her, and uh, we'll be looking and praying for a place to stay. So we appreciate all of you, your prayers and support over the years, because you are partners with us. Well, we are very thankful for you, and thank you on our, on our behalf for being our hands and feet in, in this country. Um, we just sang that song about reckless love, and they experienced the reckless love of Jesus and then what didn't make sense was for them to take their education, humanly speaking, it didn't make sense for them to take the education that they had received and to leave this country where they could have lived very comfortably, but then go to this other place around the world just to share the same reckless love that they had received with them. So thank you guys for, uh, for being our hands and feet. Thank you so much. We are going to dedicate the tithes and offerings. We're going to pray uh, for uh, this global uh, partner couple. But also in your bulletin, there's some very specifics to be praying for John and Jenny, um, who are reaching uh, and serving the refugee community from uh, the area of the world where they were serving at one point. So um, lots to pray for. Jesus, we're bringing um, these people that we love dearly. Uh, thank you uh, for this very couple that was just right here sharing how they are building relationships, looking for ways uh, to share uh, uh, um, your love with this mo one of the most unreached people groups in the entire world. Jesus, thank you 
Thank you for them. Thank you that there are hands and feet. Thank you. How shall they hear unless someone would tell them? And that's what they're doing. Jesus, thank you for them. Thank you for John and Jenny and the way that they're serving the refugee community um, with uh, connections to the very country that they were serving in, in country. And thank you for these trips that John has been able to take. And thank you how you coordinated a way uh, for him to use uh, the gift of, of prosthetics to be able to connect with somebody uh, that, from Pennsylvania all the way into their home country uh, and be able to fit him for a new hand. Jesus, thank you. Only you could have done that. And that's a demonstration of your love. And they're able to share the good news with them. Thank you for this. We pray your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, jump into our teaching for the summer, we've been talking about this idea of drama because drama enters into our lives whether we like it or not. And we need to, the wisdom to understand of how do we respond when it shows up. Now, I want to talk to the parents in the room for a moment and I want to ask you parents if you haven't hit the teen years yet, right? There's going to be all types of opportunity. I'm just preparing you all types of opportunity for drama to enter into your life through your teenagers, okay? Especially when they start dating. Oh, and um, here's what I want to do. I want to show you this clip. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's an older one. Um, it's Dan in real life. But I remember when I saw that, my wife and I, we were just like, oh my Gosh, so many places we can relate. You know, we're like crying. Um, but and it was shot right here. Part of it anyway it was shot right here in Rhode Island. So that's cool. But Dan is um, a, a widower and he has brought his family over to his parents, his kids. He's got three teenage uh, daughters. They're at his parents house in Jamestown. And um, one of the uh, boyfriends of the daughter sneaks his way in and finds out where they are and they, you know, um, they get caught. Uh, and the dad, Dan, he sends him packing. Take a listen. Come say goodbye. Window. Okay, that's it. She'll see him again soon enough. What's sweet? What's sweet? How, how's that sweet? To be that certain to feel so much love. Love? Is it a feeling? No. It's an ability. Well, if that's true, you, you have one gifted daughter. Yes. And as a parent, how do you respond to that? Right? What do you say? We need the wisdom of God to be able to enter into that kind of drama. I'm telling you, parents, if you haven't hit that space yet, we've had four of them come through that age. And let me tell you, all kinds of opportunity. We need the wisdom from God. How do we respond uh, to that? And hey, let me just say this too. I know uh, if one of you students have experienced, has recently experienced a breakup like that, right? That I know those emotions are real. All right. So I, I want to acknowledge that. That's what you're feeling at that time. But see what 
drama does many times is it tries to trick us by our feelings and, and overcasting the truth. All right. Obviously, dad isn't a murderer of love. Right. That's just the drama that comes with that. But here's what we want to do today. We're, we are looking at the kings in the Old Testament as we look at drama. That's why we call it drama king. And as we're looking at them, the big idea today that I want us to walk away with is this. Be careful who you allow in your circle of influence. So important. Students, listen to me. This is so important. And it's no, it's not any less important for you as parents or even grandparents. We have to be careful of who we do life with, who your circle of friends are. Why? Because they have the power to influence you without you even knowing it. You can get sidetracked so easily with this. And that's what we're going to see in the life of the king today. We're going to look at King Solomon. King Solomon was the third king. And, and I just, I love this idea. The idea, when I was thinking through Solomon, um, the idea that he is a beautiful image of God's grace. Because last week, you remember last week, right? We talked about David and we talked about his colossal failure. We talked about him and Bathsheba, right? Guess who Solomon is? He's their son. He's their second son. What a beautiful image of God's redemptive power. When we, when we mess up and we bring it to God and confess like David confessed, God, God's grace, God's redemptive power. And here in God's grace and his mercy, he allows his son, David and Bathsheba's son, to actually rule over his people. What a picture, what an image for you and I to live a life that is full of confession And as we confess and as we repent, God's grace and his blessing be upon us. That's God's redemptive love in our life. Well, in 1 Kings chapter 1, there's drama. There's people who don't want Solomon to be king. And it starts right there. But what we want to do and where in the Bible I want you to turn to. So whether you're online, South County or right here in the room, please take your Bibles. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. In first, three, uh, first Kings chapter three, we kind of have like a, a highlight of who Solomon is and where all this started. So in verse number three, it says that Solomon loved the Lord and followed the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. Don't have time to explain all that, but just in short, he is offering sacrifices in places where other uh, pagan people were offering sacrifices to their pagan gods. So, But he shows up in one place in Gibeon and, and offers a thousand sacrifices, burnt offerings to God in this pagan place. It shows you you can't put God in a box. God shows up to him there. God shows up to Solomon in this place and has an encounter. Solomon has this encounter with God after his offering. And God says to Solomon, what is it? What is it that you need? And here was Solomon's prayer in verse number nine of chapter three. First Kings chapter three, verse nine. Give me an understanding heart. 
That was his prayer to God, his encounter with God. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Do you notice the humility of Solomon? There are so many things. Um, He has the humility to acknowledge these aren't his people. I mean, in that time, the kings would say, my people. He acknowledges immediately, no, these are God's people. They're not his people. And then he's he's like, there's no way I can lead. There's no way that I can serve these people in my own understanding, in my own wisdom. God, you have got to give me wisdom. You have got to give me an understanding heart. So that, because don't forget the context. The context here was in a a period of history when people would show up to the king and he was the supreme court. It was his word and that was that. And so, he asked God for wisdom so that he would know how to rule in justice over God's people. Here's the response of God. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So, God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and not have asked for long life, for wealth, And the death of your enemies. I mean, come on. This is what a king would want. The king would want a victory over his enemies. King would want a long life. And he definitely would want to continue to put stuff in his coffers, right? But he didn't ask for any of that. He asked for wisdom. He asked for a, a heart of discernment so that he could understand. And God says, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has had or ever will. And here we are, a few thousand years later, talking about the wisdom of Solomon. The wisdom of Solomon. He is no, I mean, even people who don't go to church have heard that phrase or used that phrase about the wisdom of Solomon. It was somebody that is really smart or somebody that has a lot of good insight. They'll be like, they'll use this phrase. Man, he's got like the wisdom of Solomon. And this is exactly what happened in his life. Now, it didn't stop there. There's a whole book, the book of uh, Proverbs, um, that we're going to get to in just a minute. But first, in in the same chapter, in chapter 3, we see the wisdom of Solomon through two moms and one baby. Here, in in short, uh, the story is two moms each have a baby. One One of the babies pass away. The mom wakes up in the middle of the night, switches the babies. The mom, uh, the mom whose baby didn't pass away wakes up and starts grieving and thinking, oh my gosh, my son, you know, has passed away. But then as she looks closer, she's like, hold it. Where's his mole? <laughs> right? Where's, um, hold it. This isn't my baby. And she looks over there. You've got my baby. And they get into this argument. It ends up before the king. And the summary of this is found in chapter 3, and if you slide down to verse number 23, and it says, Then the king said, let's get the facts straight here. Both of you claim that the living child is yours. And each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, well, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Can you imagine you know, the drama in the room right now, right? Hold it, what? You're going to do, what are you going to do? Like spin the sword and be like spin the bottle and whoever it points to, that's who it is. Like what are you going to do with the sword? Hold on. <laughs> then he said, cut the living child in two. Give half 
to one woman and the other half to the other woman. By this point, everybody's like, what? Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. And then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. You see the wisdom? They didn't have security cameras in the nursery that they could go, show me your monitor, right? They didn't have any of that. But think about the wisdom that Solomon had to think. He, his intent was never to harm the child, but he thought if he pretended to harm the child, the real mother's going to step forward. That's wisdom. This is discernment. And that's why we have a whole book of Proverbs, the wisdom of Solomon. Let me say this. And again, we don't have time to dive into this, but just know this. Be careful between deciphering between a proverb and a promise. There's a big difference. A proverb is just a nugget of wisdom. A proverb is usually true 99% of the time. Totally different than a promise from God. A promise from God, you can go to the bank with it. You can anchor your soul to the promise of God. There are some promises in Proverbs, but do not confuse them with a proverb. Because there are exceptions to the rule. So, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon tells us why he's writing in chapter 1. He says the purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. To help them to understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. To help them to do what is right, just, and fair. That's so that you can live a, a life with making wise choices. It's, it's so that you know who should I date. This is how should I spend my money. How should I respond to drama. As he gives us this in the book of Proverbs, in, in, in this same chapter, Proverbs chapter 1, he slide down to verse number 7, he says this kind of wisdom, though, starts with the fear of the Lord. He says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, or, or the way uh, many of your translations would say the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. This is the very beginning of it. And I want to ask you, do you have a holy, reverent fear of God? Not one that you're cowering away from, not one to run away from, but one that you respect. One where there's this awe about it. Kind of like how you handle the fire in your kitchen called a stove. Right. If you have a gas stove, you have a you have a legit fire going on right there. And if you're not careful, if you don't have a holy reverence of the flame, you can burn your house down or you can use it to provide for you. You can use it to provide for your family and for others. We're called to have like this holy reverent fear. Of the Lord. And then what he would say is attune your ears to wisdom. 
concentrate on understanding. This is you taking, you being intentional about the wisdom. It's just not going to, it's not going to become because, you know, you just prayed and like poured into me. No, you got to seek it. You got to read it. You got to, you got to ask questions. You got to cry out. You do have to ask for it. We see that with Solomon. And then not only did he ask for it, but then in his proverb, he's saying you need to cry out for insight. You need to ask for understanding. Instead of showing up in the room thinking that you've got all the answers, how about show up in the room and ask some questions? There's where you'll gain some understanding. He says you need to search for them. You need to search for wisdom. And he says, like you would for silver. Now, this so resonated with that era of history. But maybe, kids, in here, listen. What if I told you there are two Nintendo Switches hidden in these chairs right here in this room? The first two kids who find them, they're yours. On your mark, get set. Right? You would be like, hold on, what? Two Nintendo Switches? I'm ripping the place apart. I'm looking everywhere for it, right? This is how, kids, listen. This is how God says you need to search for wisdom. Like you would the Nintendo Switch that you could get for free. Right? This is so important. And then adults, he's saying, seek them like hidden treasures. You know, think about how much money that billionaire put in there to go to the Titanic and how that ended. Why? They're seeking treasure. Think about all the efforts that went into that little submarine that goes down. Think about that. He's saying we need to put the same kind of energy into seeking wisdom. Do you? Do you do this? For wisdom, he says, in chapter 2, he says, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Not fill your bank account, not give you everything that you want, no, but it will give you a joy. That's that satisfaction. This is what wisdom will provide for you. And then he swings it back around in chapter 3. He's like, so as you seek this, as you are seeking God, as you are asking God for this, as you're reading his word for this, he's like, trust the Lord. Just trust God. Trust the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your being. Trust that and listen, do not depend on your own understanding. You know, don't don't depend just on your understanding. We need to bring what we have learned into the equation. Absolutely. But sometimes, just like he did in our global partners' lives, when they went to Brown University and graduated and could have taken that education and went somewhere and, you know, lived a very comfortable life with their education, instead they go and live in another country. That doesn't make human reasoning. That's like, doesn't make sense. Why would somebody do that? Well, because they're trusting in the Lord with all their heart. They've got a call that they're going to seek, that they're going to find. And students, listen to me. For some reason, some high school students, listen, college age students, listen, please listen to this. Do not X out of your life the call that God may be calling you into vocational ministry. That means full time ministry, whether it's around the globe somewhere or maybe it's in a church. Somehow. God is calling, he calls young people to serve him in a vocational way. You need to go to college, you need to get your education. But you could use that for the call that God has on your life. Are you willing 
Are you willing to trust in the Lord and not your own understanding? Seek His will is what He says. The very next verse. Seek His will in all that you do and He will show you as you seek God's plan for your life, He will show you which path to take. What does Solomon have to say about drama? In chapter 16, in verse number 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. And gossip separates the best of friends. Now, see, there's this, that's this wisdom, right? You know, you've worked in the office space where that coworker had started uh, telling you about another coworker, and then all of a sudden, what they sowed in you, that thought that they dropped in you, gave you a different perspective of that coworker, and it divided you. You didn't trust them anymore, or you thought of them differently because of what they said. Troublemakers, people who want to create drama in the workspace, here's what they do: they sow seeds of strife. Don't want, if you don't want drama, stop sowing seeds of strife. At home, stop sowing seeds of strife. Stop dropping those little, you know, passive-aggressive comments. Stop sowing the trouble. A gossip separates the best of friends. We've all been there, right? We've all had that person. We share something with them, and then the next thing you know, somebody else in our circle of influence knows about it. And we're like, oh. You want to stop the drama? Stop the gossip. Fire goes out. In fact, he'll say in Proverbs 26, 20, fire goes out without wood. Again, back then, they didn't have the natural gas pipeline coming in, right? We're like we do in our house. Um, fire, they had to put wood on it. But you stop putting wood on the fire, guess what? Fire goes out. He says the same thing is true with the quarrels, with the fighting, with the arguing. Arguing disappears. Quarrels disappear when the gossip stops. Stop the gossip. Gossip uh, creates drama watch your tongue he would say keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble now there's an eye opener for some people so you see you're some of you are you know you pride yourself well i'm just gonna tell them what i think that's who i am no what what wisdom says is watch your tongue and sometimes just keep your mouth shut you, every thought that comes out doesn't have to come out right Keep it in there. Keep your mouth shut. Stay, that's going to keep you out of drama. That will help you to stay out of trouble. And in fact, he says that a gentle answer, Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words makes tempers flare. Oh. You mean when I'm at that green light, right? I'm at the stoplight, and you've got that guy behind me? And um, the light went from red to green like in a half of a second. And he's back. You know, he's like blowing your heart. And you're like, give me a break. And you want to get out of the car. You want to have words with him. No, hey, soft answer. Soft answer, Rick. Soft answer, right? You want to park the car. Wait through the yellow light, right? And as soon as the, as soon as it goes from yellow to red, you throw it and drive and you go through it and you're like, sucker, right? That's what you want to do. But that just has harsh words. Why? Because then he catches up to you at the next stoplight and then it's all, it's a throwdown right there, right? Don't do this. Wisdom says, gentle answer, a gentle answer will just help tempers not flare. And then he leaves us with this. And, and he tells us that we need to guard our heart. In Proverbs 4, if there's a verse that you need to commit to memory, this is it. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else. Did you hear that from, from the guy who has the most wisdom ever? 
we're still talking about his wisdom. He says everything. You, the most important thing that you can do above everything else, you need to guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. It determines the direction of where you're going to go. Wherever your heart is, there's where your treasure is going to be. Also, that's the way Jesus put it. It's so important to guard your heart. And here, the man, the man who wrote the very book, forgot to guard his heart. If we fast forward all the way through Solomon's life, in Solomon's old age, say the word with me. What's underlined? Say it with me on three. One, two, three. They. they. South County, I want to hear you say it. All the way from South County, say they. <laughs> they. They turned his heart the people in his circle of influence, the people who he was doing life with, the people who had his ear, in Solomon's old age, when you think that you actually get wiser, some of you are older, you're more seasoned, and you think, I've got this whole walking with Jesus thing covered. I, you can't teach me anything new. I know the whole Bible. Solomon's old. He was the wisest Man, a man full of wisdom, and they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. This is huge. Be careful who you allow in your circle of friends. They have the power to influence you without you even knowing it. The Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart had been turned away from the Lord, Yahweh. Because of the they. What about the they? Who are the they in your life? Who are you letting in? And how do you guard your heart so that we don't end up in the same place that Solomon ended up in? A man with so much wisdom. How do we guard our heart? Well, I think very simply... Everything that you enter into, I think you could ask the question, is this pleasing to God? Every time you're making a financial decision, is this pleasing to God? Every time that you're making a decision about a relationship, is this going to be pleasing to God? Can I actually please God in this relationship? Is this pleasing to God how you do your homework? Kids, how you do your homework, is this actually pleasing to God? I mean, you can filter, if you, you can filter everything through that idea. But you say, well, how do I know what's pleasing to God? This is why we say read the Bible. You have to read your scriptures. Some of you maybe are newer to the Bible. And you had no idea of that story about Solomon and that baby. And the idea of cutting it in half. Right? Yeah, yeah, never. You, that, you have to read your Bible. If you read your Bible, you will discover the insights that are in there. 
And as you read the scriptures, guess what? You, if you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and the Holy Spirit will be your teacher and he will help you discern what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes maybe you are going to be forced to make a decision on the spot and you're not going to have your Bible because you didn't download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, right? You need to do that. But let's pretend you're in a situation. You don't have your phone. You don't have your Bible. What do you do? You start praying like crazy. Holy Spirit, help me to make the right choice. Holy Spirit, give me peace about this. Give me, help me to know, to understand. We've got to trust the Holy Spirit and His leading. We've got to ask Him for wisdom. God, is this the right dating app that you want me to be on to find that person? Is this the right place where you want me? If it is, then I'm going to, put, I'm going to be all in. If it's not, then shut the door. Close the door. Is this the right financial decision? You, you see, you've got to ask God for those kinds of wisdom for everything. We, we should be seeking God for wisdom for all of the decisions that we make. We gotta, and then we've got to trust Him. If you are seeking Him, if you are searching the Scripture, you're asking your Holy Spirit, lead me, help me to know whether or not I should enter into this crisis of this family member. Give me wisdom. As you do, you are trusting Him with each step. But you cannot, you do not lean on your own understanding. You can't just rest on that. Why? Because the Scripture is clear. So, here's what I want us to do. I want us to walk through a couple of next steps. We actually have three of them. So take out that connection card that's in the chair in front of you. If you're online, there's a link for the connection card. If you're in South County, you should have got a connection card from uh, Pete or Scott there in South County. But here's the first one. On your connection card, it has just next steps one, two, and three. You circle the one next step that connects or resonates with you and then just put your name on it. And we will be praying for you if you drop it in the offering box, if you're in this room. If you're in South County, give it back to Pete or Scott. They'll make sure that we get it. If you're online, it goes right to the office. The first one says, pray for wisdom to discern the right people to invite into my life. Who would draw me closer to and not further away to God? You, some of you have some hard decisions to make and you need the wisdom of God because there are some people in your life that are influencing you and maybe there are people that you don't even know. What you need to do is unfollow them on your social media platform because of the influence that they're having in your life. You need to pray that through. Hey, have you thought about before following people? Asking God, God, give me the wisdom. Is this somebody that you want me to be influenced by? You say, well, they don't influence me. Oh, you know that that's not true. All the science, all the research says, in fact, they pay people to be influencers. You know that. So come on. Don't, you, don't buy into that lie. We are being influenced by the social media platforms. And it can be used in an amazing way. In a way for God. In a way for evangelism. And bringing people to Jesus. And it can also be used in a devastating way. So, what if you pray? Should I follow that person? The other next step says this. I'm not sure. I have a holy, reverent fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. Pray I can discover this fear for the Lord. That I'm asking you, church, will you please, I beg of you to pray this for me. I need a whole lot more of this. A whole lot more of understanding. 
Will you please pray that for me? We want to pray for you if that's where you're at. The other next step, the last one, step number three, says this. Pray that God gives me the wisdom to identify the source of the drama. If you're somebody that's got a lot of drama in your life, you need to pray about the source of it, whether it's coming from me or someone else in my life. But it's not just identifying the source. It's how do I respond to it? We want to pray for you. And so, Father, wherever people find themselves, I'm asking you, Spirit of God, bring conviction or bring encouragement, but you show them. Please have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.